lives. What it looks like when God's at work in our lives, when we trust in him. And then I thought, we actually don't have, we had a lot less time than I thought. I thought it was super spacious. But um, we'll see if there's anyone who just wants to uh, be bold and jump up and, and share a story of God at work in their life. Um, so you've got Peter. Some will know the story, some won't, but you've got Peter, um, who's a, a key follower of Jesus. Jesus, at one point, quite early on in the story, he's actually um, uh, Simon. Jesus says, you'll be called Peter. Peter means the rock. You'll be the rock on which I build my church. He gives them this new name, which has a new meaning. And he's like, this is what I want you uh, to be about. I want you to carry this. And there's this famous moment where Jesus um, has been taken away and he's been put on trial. And uh, Peter, who's pledged his loyalty to Jesus, his undying, fervent loyalty, uh, finds himself in a setting where he's a bit uncomfortable, surrounded by people who... um, trying to catch him out a little bit and say, well, hold on, weren't you one of the followers of this Jesus who's been arrested and is now on trial and uh, looks like he may well be put to death? And Jesus says, no, 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 not me. Having, having said, I will follow you to the death. I'm going to go with you to the end. He says, no, 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 not me. And famously, um, he says it three times, and a cockerel crows. And Jesus says, when had already said, you'll deny me, and the cockerel will crow. And then you have this moment of Peter crumbling. What have I done? I pledged loyalty. I said I'd go right to the end, and look, here I am. I've just at the first hurdle, almost in the first hour of me, of Jesus being taken away from me. Um, I've been like, no, 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 he's nothing to do with me. And and then you find him in the last chapter of John's Gospel, and he's gone back to fishing. And John uh, it, it puts in so many details that we miss when we don't uh, when we read quickly. And and there's this amazing little thing that John's doing with his name because right then he says, "These Bibles are quite hard to hold open, aren't they?" Um, It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This is the start of chapter 21. If you've got a Bible, you could grab it if you want. Um, And it says, Simon Peter and his mates said, I'm going out to fish. And so what you've got there is Peter no longer just being called Peter. You've got him being called Simon Peter again. For the first time, I think, in the gospel, John whips out his original name. And you've now got Simon and Peter. In a sense, you've got the old version, and then you've got Peter, who Jesus has said, um, this is what I want you to be. I want you to be a rock on which the church was built. And you've got Simon, the fisherman. And there's nothing wrong with fishing. But it was like, that's actually not, not what Jesus had called him to do. And when, G- and when he's disowned Jesus, what does he go back to doing? He goes back to fishing. And John presents him as Simon Peter, as two identities, and as a person sort of wrestling on, on what actually he's about. And he's gone back to fishing. And... Uh, I think there's just the reflection for me in that is, what does it look like when I, when I fail? What does it look like when my brokenness comes on show? When my wounds, let's say, the thi- we all pick up wounds along the way, don't we? And we operate out of them consciously and subconsciously. Um, and we do things we're not proud of, which Peter's done in this moment. W- what do we do? And as we just read this story, try and just... Like the invitation is to find ourselves in it, as always. Um, 
and you've got Beta, and, and John quotes four other names, his mates. You've got Nathaniel, you've got the sons of Zebedee, and you've got Thomas. Why has John quoted those ones and not the other ones? Those are the ones that, in John's gospel, are noted down as also failures. You've got Nathaniel. Nathaniel's the one who, when he, Jesus first met him, said, can anything good come from Nazareth? He basically doubted. What? Surely this isn't the guy. This isn't the Messiah. You've got the sons of Zebedee there, uh, James. I got that right, James and John? They're like the sons of thunder. There's another. They're like vying for the seat in the, in the kingdom to come sort of thing. I want to be first and I want to be second. I want to be at your right hand. Remember me. And they've just got the real, the wrong end of the stick, right? They're not doing the life of service thing. They're going after authority and power. You've got Thomas, who famously doubted. This is a, a thing for another time, but I don't want, I'm not saying doubting is wrong, but John is naming Thomas in that moment as someone who didn't really quite trust Jesus. Why has he put all of these people alongside Simon Peter? They're also disciples that, that had failed. Their brokenness was on show, let's say. Um, and they all find themselves there, and Peter, as always, is at the ring. He's the ringleader. He's at the front, and he's like, well, come on, let's just go fishing. You know, that's what we did before. Let's just go back to that. And I don't know about you, but I just ponder this for a moment. When do you feel close to God? When do you feel God's love closely? And I think for me, the way I'm wired is, is when I'm doing well, <laughs> when I'm being kind, when I'm being a good person, when I'm trustworthy and dependable and, and loyal, when I'm not being angry, I'm not being judgmental. I almost, in those moments, find it easier to feel God close to me. Does that make sense? To, to feel God smiling at me. <laughs> and I think the risk is so often we project how we feel about ourselves onto God, right? We, we look at ourselves and we're most pleased when we're acting a certain way. And I think in this moment you can see our mate Peter, who we can, we can all see ourselves in Peter, right? The moments where we do stuff that we're not proud of and we think, oh, I'll just go back to fishing. I, got, I felt God was probably calling me to that. And I was starting to take steps of faith and trust towards that. And I've actually messed up, and God's probably not going to lead me towards that anymore, and I'm not actually dependent I'll just go back to fishing. Does that make sense? Um, and, and I think what we actually end up doing so often is, this is, I'll just say this, I think we end up projecting a good version of ourselves out there. You know, like in those moments where we go back to fishing, we don't necessarily reckon with the brokenness inside of us, and we keep presenting, um, I'm good, I'm kind, I'm loyal, and we don't necessarily um, make, um, share with others, with trusted others, what's going on inside, the brokenness inside, and, and, and share with God those things. We almost pretend they're not there. And I think what we see in Jesus, I, I love it because we've, we've sung, you have no rival. It's a powerful name. Like we see Jesus, and we've said that God's kingdom is one that never ends and we can stand on um, and, and we can trust in God and God's kingdom marked by justice. But this is almost where the rubber hits the road. The powerful king of the universe meets Peter, the broken, wounded one, for breakfast. <laughs> 
And it's just so normal, isn't it? And it's so everyday. And I think what God basically does is invites Peter to reckon with his brokenness and his wounds. And, and, and God in Jesus shows that is, it, God's not distant and powerful and saying, right, you need to change. There's an invitation to look at ourselves and to be honest and to receive afresh the love of God. What does Jesus do? He says three times to Peter, do you love me? Jesus, Peter denied him three times. And Jesus says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? The word for charcoal fire that's used, where the, uh, the place where he denied him three times, is only ever used again in this moment. The charcoal fire where the fish is cooked. John is saying, here's where Peter denied Jesus, where he messed up, his brokenness on show. And here's where Jesus invites him lovingly. And he meets them and he says, uh, what does he say? Friends, have you caught any fish? And they say, no. There's a lovingness to it. He's like, is this fruitful? Is the steps you're taking here fruitful? And no, it's not. Actually, we haven't caught any fish. And he says, put the net in the other side. And there's lots to say there, and I won't. But he, he puts the net in the other side, and he chooses to trust afresh in that Jesus. And they have an abundance of fish. And fruitlessness turns into fruitfulness as he trusts in Jesus afresh. He gets out. He sits down for breakfast. Jesus says, I know you said you, know, you don't even know me, but I'm going to give you a fresh chance. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And what's his response? Roughly each time his response is, feed my lambs. Care for my lambs. Care for my sheep. Jesus the elephant in that conversation is the denial and the brokenness that Peter had well on show. But Peter, sorry, Jesus doesn't actually, you know, he doesn't turn the screw, does it? And say, you messed up, didn't you? Look, here's the steps you need to take. He just gives him such a loving opportunity to come back. And he reinstates his calling, doesn't he? He says, feed my lambs. Pastor my flock. I still want you to be the church, the rock on which my church is built. Um, and, and that's a simple reflection. <laughs> I, I was struck as we were singing by the, the verse, I will, the line, I will build my life on your love. And I believe at the heart of that is what Peter then does. Because the, the early church was, was actually initiated and snowballed out across the Roman Empire by everyday fishermen who were broken, wounded people, but who built their life upon the love of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They were normal people that broke up, that said, I don't even know that guy in the, in the moment. But the all-powerful, mighty God of the universe came and met Peter for breakfast and said, Look, do you love me? You do love me, don't you? Look, feed my lambs. Carry on doing the thing that I've called you to do. And what does Peter do? He chooses to put his weight on that calling. He chooses to put his weight on the, the God of love. I will build my life on your love. It's not abstract love. It's a love that re-invites us again and again to look at our brokenness, to bring it into God's presence and to choose to trust that God still calls us to do the things that God's calling us to do. Um, 
And I, and I believe that's almost the, the shape of where we see God at work in our life, is an invitation to trust afresh. Um, I just wanted to read a verse from Jeremiah. And I'll land with this. And it's, it's an, an invitation to trust. Jeremiah 17, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. It's not abstract. It's building our lives on the love of God that says, do you love me? Feed my sheep or whatever it is for you, whatever it is God's calling you to do. These people, those that trust in the Lord, are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought, i.e. when circumstances change, when the world is in flux, when things shift, um, when things are tough, when there's drought, when there's heat. They're not bothered. They're not worried. Their leaves, it says, stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, their roots reach deep into the water. They're not bothered by heat or drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I believe that the reason that Peter and his mates go out and change the world in God's strength is because they, they trusted in the love of God for them. And they choose to again and again step out in the face of adversity and trial um, at risk of death. And they continue to bear fruit, the early church skyrocketed and, and, and shifted cultures and, and arguably changed the world at that time. Um, and I think just for a moment, we're being invited to do the same. Um, I can't believe it's half past. <laughs> there you go. Um, why don't we, Jules, are you around, Jules? Do you want to share? I, it may be less of an open mic moment, but more like Jules actually gave me a lift in and just uh, shared a really cool story of God at work in our life. So why don't you share that and then let's stand and, and we'll pray and we'll, we'll close. Hi, everyone. I'll try and be quick <laughs> and give you the short version of a nine-year story. Um, I, I've had a, a, like a chronic illness for about nine years and it's one of those things where the doctors say to you, um, it, we don't know what's wrong. Here's some medication. You know, good luck. Um, and it's in the, in those moments of um, intense illness, you just think, where are you, God? What's going on? You know, um, how are you going to work this out for good? And um, just a huge encouragement that I'm coming through this. Um, God heals in all sorts of ways. <laughs> and um, in in this uh, this past year. I've realized what's been missing in, in my health journey, um, and that was um, somebody to just come alongside and coach me and help me. And I, I realized that actually my whole life's been leading up to me potentially becoming a health coach. Um, I'm not a health coach now. I have nothing to do with health. I'm in the, uh, a different industry, um, and I, I prayed about it. I chatted to key people and decided to um, take a leap of faith and start studying at the end of this month. Um, that's an additional cost on top of everything uh, that's going on, you know, cost of living. And it was a very big leap and a very scary leap. And um, 
and actually God has miraculously provided for me um, in this moment um, and for the next few years. And it's just, I think my biggest encouragement to everyone is, first of all, God's timing is perfect. And we don't know, you may be in a moment now where, where I was for many, many, many years where you sort of think, God, where are you? I don't understand. He's there. He's there. He's close. And he does work things out for good, and he will do it in your lives. Um, and the timing may not be what you think it will be, but the the beauty that comes out of it, you know, beauty for ashes, it's real. And I'm a, I'm a testimony to that. I'm not 100% healed, but I'm way, way, way better than I was. And um, that is, that's all... All glory to God for that. So, yeah. Would you be up for praying for us? In a moment. You don't have to. Isn't that amazing? What a good story of just of God meeting you in a moment of trial, a moment of difficulty, and you responding by faith. And and as as you've done that. God said, feed my sheep, you know, in a certain way for you. Jules, this is what it looks like for you to feed my sheep, to find your identity in me, to, to walk towards what I'm calling you to do. Um, yeah, so encouraged by your faith. Thanks for sharing, Jules. Um, why don't we pray? Let's pray.